This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. But overall, just a crappy loss. And it's frustrating to watch Joe Musgrove just get the job done against the Mets again. He hits four guys, none of which were on purpose, but he did it four guys in this game. They had opportunities, and they couldn't get it done against the guy that they were all pissed off at last year for having a very shiny ear and a spin rate that was through the roof. And it's a part of why I go back to I don't know, and I can't get into the heart of individual players, but the Mets all season long have come across like a gutless team. When you would think there would be revenge and there would be a big performance and there would be a let's show the Braves after embarrassing us last year, what happens? You have lost five out of six to them. You blew three leads in Atlanta and you got swept. You're facing Joe Musgrove and the San Diego Padres, that team that eliminated you last year. Musgrove with the shiny ear and the crazy spin rate. And you go out there and you manage three hits against him. This has not been a team that has responded to the challenges that you would hope they would respond to. Now, let's get to the rest of this series. Game one was a hell of a game. And game one was one of those weird ones, Pete. I was so effing tired. On Friday night, 9.40 first pitch. They've been playing at 9.40 every single night. I had work during the day with Joe B. I get home. I'm hanging out with the family. I sit down. I get my scorecard ready. And I'm not not even joking. By 10.25, with everybody passed out, I said, you know what I got to do? I got to take a nap. Just going to take a nap. Just going to take a nap. I'll wake up. I'll be fine. I'm not going to sleep the night because how could I sleep the night not knowing the Met result? So second inning, because I'm telling you, it's early on. Second inning, we're down three. We were down 3-2 at the time, so it was the third inning because the Mets scored the run on the Lindor home run and make it 3-2 in the third inning. So 3-2, bottom of the third, whatever time that was, 10-30, 10-45. I say timeout. I got to take a break. My eyes are falling I'm going to pass out. And the last thing I want to do is pass out while the game is on. I got to pause it. If I pass out while the game is on, I could wake it up at any moment, and God knows what I'm going to see. So I pause the game. I go take a nap. The nap turned into the entire night. I mean, it, and that is a rare one, because I think I said this on a Rico a few weeks ago, that I, I had one of these situations on a Friday night where I went to bed, and then I woke up at like 2 a.m. and watched the game. That was not one of these scenarios. I slept. And all of a sudden, I look over at my phone. It says 6.58, which to me is a full night. Like, 6.58? I got to watch the freaking Met game. I got a busy Saturday. I got to take both my sons to a multitude of birthday parties, all right? I got work to do. And by the way, the more I think about this story, I've completely effed it up time-wise. 
I got home because I, late because I never came home. I went to SmackDown with my oldest son and my wife. So, no, I didn't come home and hang out. I went to the garden and watched SmackDown. We walked in at 1130. So now this is going to make more sense time-wise. I started the game on DVR and in the bottom of the third inning, let's say 1230. It's, it's definitely later than 1030 because I, was, I wasn't home. That's when I paused the game. I don't know if that changes the story all that much, but I just want to be factually accurate. Uh, no, but it well, it now <laughs> makes more sense of why your eyes were burning at twelve thirty rather than ten thirty. Yeah, that's true. That that is true. It makes me look better, I guess. <laughs> Full night. I watched that brilliant bloodline segment with uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos. My son loved every second of it. Great. So I wake up at seven a.m. and I'm like freaking rushing because I know my kids are going to wake up soon, and I know I got a lot of things to do. And it's the third inning. And little did I know the game was going to go 10 innings and be three and a half hours long. So I ended up watching about three innings without any issues. Then the kids woke up. I watched an inning while eating breakfast, all while scoring it, by the way, too. So I'm not just watching it. Like, I got the book out. Then I spent two innings on the toilet watching the game. In fact, I watched the Starling Marte 1-2-3 double play in the ninth inning on the toilet. I do remember that. And then I got off the toilet, cleaned myself. Everybody, everybody was great. And I watched the last inning and a half on the couch. Yes. What's your question, uh, Pete? Oh, question. Do you have a TV in the toilet bowl or is it your, your iPad? On my iPad. Gosh, like basically, okay. I watched right. this game on my iPad and I was taking it with me everywhere I went. Because that's a so, new le- If you had a TV in your bathroom, that's a new level of, se- of <laughs> craziness. <laughs> you know what's funny? I've realized. Other than the one room I have with the multiple TVs, especially for football Sundays, I actually don't watch the TV as much as I watch my tablet. Like, I think it's easier to have these games on my iPad because if I have to get up or move somewhere else, it's coming with me as opposed to, hey, now I'm going into a different room or I'm going here and I got to restart the whole thing. So other than when I'm kind of locked in in that one room, I tend to watch a lot of these games on tablets. But anyhow, as far as the game is concerned, Verlander, I'll give him this. He was very rocky early in this game. And he certainly wasn't helped out by the Luis Guillorme error. And we referred to that earlier that his defense has been shoddy. Guillorme made a bad error on a Xander Bogart's ground ball that should have ended that first inning. And it should have ended with only one run scoring. That led to the second run scoring. But Verlander was able to clean up that mess. He gave up a run in the second inning, and it was painful because it was Trent Grisham again. Barry Bonds was at it again. And the Mets, who had a rare early lead, are quickly down 3-1. to And, yeah, I'm cursing Verlander out. I think we all are. But Verlander at least settled in, and he gave him six innings. So credit to Justin Verlander. And there's one play in this game that absolutely changed this game. And it's something negative that the San Diego Padres did. So while this is not, you know, a podcast about the Padres, I do have to point this out. San Diego against Justin Verlander, who's thrown a million pitches and has really struggled, has first and second and one out for Jake Cronenworth. And Jake Cronenworth lays down a bunt. And it was a really good bunt. And he actually beats it out. I thought it was such a horrendous play. What are you doing? You're Jay Cronenworth. I know you're not having the greatest year in the world. You've got the bottom half of your order coming up, including Gary Sanchez, who despite his early torrid start with the Padres, 
is hitting 191. Why are you bunting? Like, I know it worked and you got the base hit, but you didn't drive the run in. And that's what you should be trying to do. And from that moment on, after Cronenworth laid down the bunt, Justin Verlander kicked it in a high gear. Think about what happened. Two pitches later, he gets Gary Sanchez to ground into a 6-4-3 double play. And he cleans up that third inning. Pitches a 1-2-3 fourth. Pitches a relatively clean fifth. Pitches a 1-2-3 sixth. That bunt play is the direct line to Verlander settling down. So overall, give major credit to Justin. Rocky start, settles in, and gives him innings. Because six innings is, you know, at least in this day and age, that's giving you innings. And also credit to the Met offense. Because down 3-1 to one in the third against Hugh Darvish, a guy they've had issues with over his career, they battled back. I thought the Lindor home run in the third inning was huge. Two outs, nobody on, cuts into the lead. Sometimes you don't have to get it all back. That was sort of the problem with the Sunday game. It's not that they needed to get all of those runs back. It's that when your base is loaded one out, get a run in. I know we want more, but get a run in. Just cut into that lead. And that's why the Lindor home run in the third inning I thought was so significant because it cuts into the lead. And then when Lindor stealing second base in the fifth, it allows Daniel Vogelback to come through with a big RBI single to tie the game. And a credit to him. A credit to Vogelback. He had a good offensive game. He had a couple of infield hits and then the hit I just mentioned in the fifth, which tied the game up at three and made it a new game. From that moment on, it was very frustrating because the Mets had a lot of offensive opportunities to score in this game. Lindor fouled out with a couple of guys on base. And then obviously the ninth inning. The ninth inning was, <laughs> I mean, there's no Met fan alive that with bases loaded one out in a tie game in the ninth inning and Starling Marte up. There's no Met fan alive after Marte grounds into a one, two, three double play. Do they think the Mets are going to win? And I'm sitting there on the turlet at 8 a.m. And there's no way the Mets are winning this game. No way that. Meanwhile, the result happened nine hours ago, but still, no way they're winning this game. No shot. Drew Smith's pitch in the ninth. No shot they win this game. And Drew Smith gives you a clean inning. Now we get to the 10th. And here's the way I look at these extra inning games. If you're on the road in an extra inning game with the Fugazi Manfred man on second, you have got to score that run at minimum. You score the run, okay. I think you have a decent chance to win, not the end of the world if you're the home team, but you have to score that run. You don't score that run, and I don't know what the stats are. I'm sure they're overwhelming. You don't score that run in the top of the 10th inning. You're done. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So the Mets get that runner on second, nobody out in the 10th. And Jeff McNeil, who has had such a crappy season, but I, I give him his credit here, gave us no agita because the first pitch was the RBI double. Two pitches later, Francisco Alvarez, RBI single. He had a four-hit night. So they get you the two runs, but bigger than that was Lindor again. Because Lindor's two-run single turns a two-run lead, which, while it feels good, it's really a one-run lead. Because think about it. The tying run is coming up in the bottom of the 10th inning. See what I'm saying? Like, if you score one, if you score two runs in the top of the 10th inning, all you've really done in the real world is giving yourself a one-run lead. Because that runner on second doesn't mean a damn thing, right? Because you're down by two. So it's like the old rule of being down by a run in the bottom of the 10th inning because the guy coming up to lead off the inning is the tying run. Does that make sense, what I just said? It, it makes sense. It sounds like you. It sounds confusing, but it makes a ton of sense. Thank you. It makes you. a ton of sense, Michael. That, 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 that is it. Thank you. So the Lindor two-run single was huge because that turns this kind of mini lead into a bigger lead. And Lindor had an absolutely great night. He had three hits. He stole a couple of bases. He hit the home run. He had the two-run single. And then when David Robertson comes in for the 10th and gives up the home run to Manny Machado, I didn't even I didn't bat an eye because that's what you should do. You're David Robertson. You have a four-run lead. Yes, there's a guy on second. You got to throw strikes. Like, you cannot somehow allow San Diego to get the tying run to the plate and he didn't. He got Tatis out. Sure, he gives up the home run to Machado. Who cares? He strikes out Bogarts. He gets Cronenworth out. And the Mets get themselves a tremendous victory. If you think about how we all felt, for me, Saturday morning, but for most humans, Friday night, or when you found out the results Saturday morning, we are at our peak. We're at our high. Six-game winning streak. 4-0 and on this West Coast trip. A tremendous win against you, Darvish, and the San Diego Padres. Down 3-1. to one. You come back and you tie it. You win it dramatically in the 10th. And you win it after Starling Marte crowns into a 1-2-3 double play. Which, I'm telling you, if I was a, if I was up live, I would have done a snap poll like I did with the Scherzer thing. Like, all right, are we going to win this game? It would have been 98-2 to two that we were not going to win this game. But we did, and it was a great win. And much like during the the badness of this season, we've talked about, is this rock bottom? Is this rock bottom? Is that rock bottom? Unfortunately, that win may have been our highest moment of the season because the response on Saturday and Sunday has been and was massively disappointing. The game on Saturday was just simply, they had no shot. And, And a part of me just wants to tip my hat to Blake Snell and say, look, he was brilliant. It is what it is. Oh, by the way, one other thing, because there's one thing from the Friday game I forgot. I think I've hit on everything, but I don't want to forget this. The Tommy Pham outfield assist in the seventh inning was also monstrous because the Padres tie game get a one-out double by Sung Kim, and he's trying to go to third. And Pham almost deked them by taking his time in left field the Ricky Henderson, as I like to call it, where he politely picks up the baseball. And then he guns came out, and it was even bigger because the next hitter, Juan Soto, also ripped a double. Not that the exact result would have happened, but I thought that was a big play in the game. And another reason why Tommy Pham 
even on a night where he didn't do much offensively, has been so good for this team, and him being out with this groin injury could be significant. Now, let me get to Saturday. Uh, David Peterson, he was all right. He was all right. I I don't hold Peterson to the same bar that I would hold Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. With David Peterson, it's just keep me in the game. And he pitched into the sixth inning. He really had one bad inning. That was it. And one mistake that Matthew uh, Betton, Betton, whatever the hell his name is. Batten. It's the Batten. Yeah, he Batten. batted it up. He had a two-run home run with Peterson ahead of the count, too, which is always so frustrating. And that was it. Like, that that was literally it. You know, he, Peterson, after that, pitched very, very well and got into the sixth inning and would have gotten two outs into the sixth inning if not for another Francisco Lindor error, who had a very bad defensive night on Saturday. So I thought Peterson, I know five and a third innings, three runs may not look great in the box score. I think if you watch that performance, you walked away saying, hey, look, he was good. And you start to believe that maybe Peterson is putting it together. It starts to at least get in your head then. All right, you know, it's, it's a couple of good starts in a row since he's been recalled, and it really came out of nowhere. I wasn't for him being recalled, especially with the way Joey Lucchese was pitching, but Peterson's pitched well. The problem with Saturday is strictly the offense and strictly the fact that he, I would get and accept they couldn't hit Blake Snell, and I would play that game of let me tip my hat to Blake. He's had a very good season this year. His stuff was electric. He had no-hit stuff. The Mets were able to work three walks against him. They had a one real good opportunity in the sixth inning when they had two on, one out for Lindor and Alonzo. And Lindor actually made really good contact. He just did it right at Tatis. So I'm willing to do the hat-tipping with Snell. What frustrates me is that you had nine outs against the Padre bullpen. So you had an opportunity in a 3 nothing game to come back. They did get the Alvarez home run, and he's been on you know absolute tear on this West Coast trip, but they did nothing against Luis Garcia. They made Nick Martinez look like Cy Young. He struck everybody out, and they gave you a little mini tease in the ninth inning because Lindor got a hit off Josh Hader to start that ninth inning, and then Hader went to work and dominated Alonzo and dominated Alvarez, and he got McNeil to ground out. The Alonzo one was tough because Pete has had, how do we define his season? He has been slumping for a very long time now. The batting average is dipping very, very low. And you're waiting for Alonzo to just break out. Not with one hit, but with consistent hits. Because he's had his moments. It's more, can Pete get hot? Can Pete have, you know, a 15 for 35 run? You know what I mean? And it's not coming. And I thought that ninth inning against Tater, especially with Lindor starting it off with a hit, I, maybe this is where it happens. Maybe Pete rips a double up the alley and they're set up with second and third, nobody out against Tater. And it didn't happen. He is striking out at an alarming rate. His batting average continues to dip, 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 dip. He took an 0 for 3 on Sunday. He was 0 for 4 on Saturday. And even on Friday, he got on base three times. He was 0 for 3 on Friday. So he was 0 for San Diego. He did have the good performance in the finale against Arizona when he hit the home run and had the RBI single. And I thought that was, okay, he's going to break out of it. And he responded with what's, I think, an 0 for 11, 0 for 12 run. The last two at-bats against the Diamondbacks and what I just mentioned against San Diego. So Pete, and maybe it's the Derby that's going to wake him up, but Pete's got to find himself in the second half. 
the Saturday game was all about, really, I mean, it wasn't just about him, but it was about not doing anything offensively. Other than the Alvarez home run, they just did nothing. And it was a frustrating game to watch. At least it was quick. It was two and a half hours. But they got absolutely mowed down by Blake Snell in the Padres bullpen. Well, and here's the thing about this. I understand. I, I said it too. Like, tip the cap to Blake Snell. He looked pretty good. What, 11 strikeouts and however many innings he pitched. I mean, he struck out seven of the first eight guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty ridiculous. But the one problem I had is, well, I think out of 105 pitches, 60 of them were strikes. But they swung and missed at a lot of stuff that was in the dirt. Like, I know his stuff is filthy. Don't get me wrong. But he wasn't all that – he wasn't over like throwing balls over the plate. They just couldn't catch up. He was deceiving them. And I think they could have worked more walks. They were just I, – I don't I don't know. Like in that, you have to be able to be more patient against a guy like Blake Snell. And, and they have been. I mean, their track record against Blake Snell is pretty good where they've worked his pitch count high. They've gotten him to walk four or five guys in a game. Uh, Blake Snell's a tough customer, man. He really is. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I'm not sure if I want to sign him or anything. <laughs> Probably not. Well, him Boy. or Severino? Who would you take, him or Severino? <laughs> the Severino one. You know what? <laughs> He'll come cheap at least. I'll tell you yes. that. <laughs> Severino may not cost me very much. Uh, Blake Snell's had a very good year, though. Yes. His ERA is under three. He walks a ton of guys. He strikes out a ton of guys. You know, it's not as easy. I think sometimes we sit back and say, why are you swinging all these pitches out of the strike zone? Because they're nasty. That's why. Because he's he's a tough customer. And he was very, very difficult to beat Saturday. 